I'm going to ask you this morning to stand and I want to pray. And as Dr. Parks is here, I am um, I'm reminded of the great need in all of our churches. I'll tell you where God is leading my heart for the new year. And that is, at least within our own church, for renewal and spiritual awakening. That God would do a new work in our midst. But I realize the need is great in all of our churches. And of course, Unity Baptist Association is the Baptist churches in Polk and Angelina County. But, oh, y'all know where we are in America today. And partly we're where we are in America today because the churches... And I have to say, our church has not been what it's needed to be. If God's people in America would be who they need to be, uh, I just can't imagine the things going on. And so I want to pray for us as a church, for other churches. Uh, I'm excited that, uh, I guess, two Sunday nights from now, we will be hosting a community-wide, Huntington community, community-wide service and we've I've invited the churches to come and we'll meet in the Family Life Center and I pray for that to be a time of unity and strength as um, we all live for the King and for His kingdom and so if you join me in prayer this morning uh, Father we uh, thank you for your love and your grace and your faithfulness uh, for all of these years and Father I, I would pray that instead of our hearts growing accustomed to that, that, Father, you would stir our hearts anew. And, Father, I pray in the days to come that you would pour new life into our church, to other Baptist churches, to other churches of whatever their name is on the outside. That, Father, in our country, that you would do a new work, a fresh work, and that we would know your power and your grace and your holiness And that, Father, we would be moved to walk with you. And, Father, you teach us to love one another. You teach us to love you with all our hearts. And, Father, you'd you'd give us uh, the passion to go and to share the one message that changes people's eternity, and that's the gospel. And so, Father, we pray that you you would be at work and that you would do what only you can do and that we are not able to do. And we trust that to you, and we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. If ever there was a person who connected with people, it was Jesus. But it was not enough for Jesus just to connect with people. His mission was that he would connect those people to God. He came as the Redeemer. And through Jesus' death on the cross, by which he paid for the sins of all people of all time, that if only we accept that gift, that our sins can be washed away and we could spend eternity with him, not only by his death, but also by His resurrection and the power of the resurrection, Jesus demonstrated His ability as the Savior to secure our eternity by beating death. 
And if Jesus can beat death, Jesus can beat anything. And so Jesus came to connect people to God through his death, burial, and resurrection. As the followers of Jesus, as we've shared this fall, we must first be connected to God. That must be a vibrant day by day, if not hour by hour, as we've just sung. Real relationship to God through Christ. But also this fall we've talked about, we have to be connected to one another within the body of Christ. There has to be a group of people that is family to us, that we draw strength from, that hold us accountable, and it becomes a network of strength. Jesus said, my new commandment is that you love one another. From there, we also have to be connected to other people outside these four walls. We've talked for several weeks now about how do we develop connecting relationships that, with those that are outside the body of Christ. And that's good. We need, to, we need to connect with people, whether that's, as Brother Cody shared, through activities that we find in common, or whether it's a, it's a crisis moment in their lives that we have to be there for them. But it's not enough. Ultimately, it's not our end goal to just develop connecting relationships with people. Ultimately, like Jesus, we must connect those people to God. And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, I know we're eating lunch today. We probably eat lunch every Sunday, don't we? We're eating lunch at the church house today. So... Uh, I'd like to promise you the sermon's going to be over early, but, you know, I just don't know that I can make that promise. We'll see. How do we connect people to God? And when I look to the gospel, what I see is that Jesus taught us this. Yes, he connected with people, but he taught us how to connect people to God. We connect people to God by communicating, expressing, testifying to, giving verbal witness to the gospel message. That's kind of it this morning. Because I had to ask the question, so we're supposed to connect people to God. How do we do that? What Jesus taught us is we do it through the verbal witness to the simple core message of the kingdom that Jesus came to teach. The gospel message, and the word gospel simply means good news. And Jesus would say that as he taught the people. He would talk about this good news. And it is the, it is the simple core gospel message that Jesus died, was buried, that he would rise again, and by our faith in him, 
through that message that we've heard. Paul would say in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When that message is communicated and is received and we believe, we experience life, eternal life. The people that we share the message with, not all of them, but some of them, through the message that they hear and receiving that message, will experience life and they will be connected to God. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. And I, I believe he teaches this message in that story that he told. And so in, in Matthew 13, verse 3, it says, Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Later on, Jesus explains the parable to his disciples. And he says in Matthew 13, 18, I've skipped some verses there. He said, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he received, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful but he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold some 60, some 30. What I hear Jesus teaching in the parable of the sower, teaching us today about connecting, is that connecting means, this is my point for the day, okay, this is it, this is it. Connecting means being at the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing. That's kind of it. Connecting is being at the right place 
at the right time doing the right thing. The sower in the story is in the right place. It's kind of implied in the story. Give me a little bit of ministerial license here. But in verse 3 it says, and Jesus telling the story, Behold, a sower went out to sow. I would contend today that that man was responsible for a section of land. It may have been his land. It may have been a man that he works for his land. I don't know what the arrangement was, but the man just didn't just go down the road casting out seed. He had a field to sow. In the story, I believe the man went out that day to sow seed in the field that he was responsible for. I would contend today he was in the right place. I think in the, in the life of Jesus, when we look in, in the Gospels, that Jesus also had a sphere, a place. I don't have time to trace it out, but really Jesus would say at one point that he was sent to the children of Israel. There was a sphere of influence. There was a, a field, in essence, that Jesus came to, and he said, this is my area. I don't know if you know this, Jesus really, I know he went to Egypt as a child, but really Jesus just traveled a few miles, I don't know, 30, 40 miles maybe, from his home. That was as far as he's ever, he ever went in his lifetime. He didn't travel the world. Jesus said, no, this is my area. This is my field. Um, the thing that strikes me about, the, about Jesus is that just like the sower, Jesus went out. When you read the gospel stories, it is a moving narrative in the sense that Jesus is always on the go. Jesus, as the great connector between us and God, the Redeemer, the Savior, the Messiah, however you want to put it, did not come to Nazareth or Jerusalem and say, I'm going to set up shop here, and anybody that wants to learn about God, if you will come to me, I will teach you. But what we see in the Gospels is that Jesus was out and about, and he was traveling from town to town, village to village, he was engaging people. And yes, it was a relatively small area, but Jesus was not stationary. He was moving. He went out. I believe the challenge of the gospel, well, in fact, Jesus said, and I said this in an earlier sermon when we talked about Zacchaeus, as he said in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was seeking. Hmm. The challenge of the gospel is also that we must be on the go. We must be out there. We have to be involved in whatever sphere of influence or responsibility God has given to us, that is our responsibility. And we must find, as Brother Cody preached a couple weeks ago, we must find those connecting activities, those connecting points with people, and we must engage people. Do you know what sphere God has assigned this church? What is our area of responsibility in the spiritual realm? We start with Huntington, Texas. I know there are other churches. We must understand Huntington, Texas is our 
spiritual responsibility to be sowing the seeds of the gospel. And I think until we take that seriously, we're going to be stationary. And we're going to say we're having church every Sunday morning. I'm sure Brother Darrell will talk about the gospel when you get there. You'll hear about Jesus if you will just come, but I don't see Jesus doing that. I don't see the sower in the story sitting in his house hoping that the seed gets sown. No, you've got to be out in the fields. And until we as a church, we're going to talk about it next year. You see, Brother Darrell's like two months ahead. You know, I've got to be planning. I'm, I'm out there. I'm already into 2018, and we're going to have to talk about it. Huntington, Texas is our spiritual responsibility. And until we take that serious, we're, we're probably not going to really do anything other than remain stationary. We have to be out and about. And we have to be engaging people with the gospel. It is our responsibility. It is the field that God has assigned to us. Now, we also believe there's a plot of land in southwestern Guinea <laughs> among some Kanyanka people that is also our responsibility. But anyhow, let's start with Huntington, Texas. The sower in the story was in the right place. I would contend this morning he was also, it was the right time. I know I can't prove this from the text, but also in verse 3 it says that the sower went out to sow. Do you know when the sower, who was responsible for that field, would have gone out to sow seed? I don't really know myself, but anyhow. It, I, I, the only thing I think, it's got to be the time of the year that you were supposed to sow seed. You, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, about the, the farmer's almanac. Anybody? Farmer's Almanac. Anybody here plant according to the Farmer's Almanac? Okay, apparently that's old school. Brother Ted, did you have a garden this Okay, anyhow, we don't have time to get bogged down. Melody, it was your daddy. We were talking about Grandpa and, and some dispute about do you plant according to the Almanac or do you plant when you have time to plant. But anyhow, anyhow that's a whole other story on the Ellis side of the family. I would contend there was a time, and he was in that time. It was the time of year that he was supposed to be planting. And, you know, we see this with Jesus. So the sower is at the right place, but it's the right time. But I would say that about Jesus. We see it in the stories we've already talked about. Whether it was the woman at the well, whether it was Zacchaeus, Jesus was always right there. When the people needed him and he had the divine appointment, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, we've talked about that. And he tried to teach this to the disciples. I remember the story in, in the woman at the well and the disciples come back and he's engaged this woman and she's gone off to tell those about surely this is the Messiah. And, and there's a picture in John 4 of the Samaritans coming out from the city to the well which was outside. And Jesus says to the disciples, behold, the harvest is now. Lift up your eyes. They're thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, look at all the people coming. They're needing to hear. It is their time. Zacchaeus, that was his day. Jesus had a sense of timing. And this is what I was talking to us about. We have, yes, we have to be at the right place. But it's got to be the right time. 
We have to seize those moments in people's lives, whether it is a neighbor, whether it's someone we go to school with, whether it is somebody that we work with. There are going to be windows of opportunity. That was the point of last Sunday's sermon, the Good Samaritan. If you're not going to deal with me when I'm half dead on the road, then I don't really have time to deal with you any time for you to tell me about this God supposedly that you serve because you were not there for me when I needed you the most. But you see, when we're there, and we seize those opportunities, as I said last Sunday, we have a voice then to say, I want to talk to you about eternal things that are beyond this world. And so we have to be at the right place, and we have to be there at the right time. That's not really what I came to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you today about we also must be doing the right thing. The sower in the story was doing the right thing. Right place, yes, right time. But he was sowing seed. It was his field. It was the season of the year. There were other things to do. I'm sure he had to till the land. He had to water it. He had to weed it. He had to harvest it. There were other things to do. All of those other things don't really matter if you don't plant seed. You can till the soil. You can water it. You can hope for a harvest someday. But the reality is if you have not planted the seed, it's not going to really matter. At the very core of it is the planting of seed. Even though there are other things to do. And you know in the story the only person who possessed the seed, who it was? It was the sower. He's the only one in the story who possesses the seed. Do you understand? It's not going to get done. Nobody else is coming to do this. Not in the story. And not in our lives. The sower was doing the right thing. He was sowing the seed. He was the only one who possessed the seed for the crop. If he did not sow the seed for the crop that he wanted, if he did not do that, there would be other things that would grow in that field. But you know what the sower knew? That if he planted that seed, maybe not all of it, Some of it, something quite miraculous was going to happen. It was going to grow and create new life. Uh, Dr. Parks, Dr. Uri, New Testament professor, his favorite parable was the parable of the secret, secretly growing seed. It's only in Mark's gospel. I don't know why I had several classes with him. I can't, you know, your mind goes places. You just, Dr. Uri, Dr. Uri, he just always talking to us about the secret to growing seed. Okay, Dr. Uri, we got it. Can we move on to something else? It's only recorded in Mark, Mark 4, 26. He says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day 
and the seed should sprout and grow, he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The farmer doesn't even know why the seed produces growth. He just knows if I plant the seed, something quite miraculous will happen. Will some of the seed be lost? Yes, and that's part of what Jesus is telling the story. Yes, some fell by the roadside and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky soil and, you know, it didn't have enough soil to grow up and it boop, popped up and then it died. And some fell, you know, on the edges where the, the thorn bushes were and the thorn bushes choked it out and it didn't die. But quite miraculously, some of it, when you planted it at the right place at the right time, there was a miracle, a mystery to it that you put it in the ground and it sprouts. And you're not going to believe this because you're thinking, well, that's not very efficient. If, if the four re- responses soils were like, oh, wait a second, three of the four didn't even produce anything. But if you get one good one, <laughs> it's not going to just produce another one like itself. It's going to produce 30 and 60 and some 100 Fold. The harvest is going to be incredible. But the, the sower, the farmer, doesn't even know how it works. He just knows the miracle of growth because he's experienced it year by year. Mm. You know, I think partly in the story, you look at it and you say, well, Jesus is... Maybe in the parable that he tells, Jesus is the sower. Because Jesus did the same thing. And he taught his disciples to do the same thing. And you know, I think part of it, Jesus tells this story. And there's a section after what I read. Jesus says, you know, I tell parables because those that can hear, have ears to hear, they will hear. But those that don't understand, they're not going to hear. You know, those that don't want to hear, they're not going to hear anyhow. He wanted his disciples to know partly about this miracle and the mystery of planting the gospel. But you know what? I, I think practically he also wanted the disciples to know because they had observed this as Jesus had gone around. You know, quite honestly, most of the people did not respond to the message that Jesus proclaimed. And I think he wanted the disciples to know, don't get discouraged. Maybe even three out of four. They're not going to respond. You just keep casting the seed because some of them, the right place at the right time, when we're doing the right thing, will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. I want us to come to the place this morning, though, that we understand the heart of this parable, at least to me today, for us as a church. We can be as a church and as individuals in the right place at the right time. If we want to connect people to God, we have to be doing the right thing. We must be planting the seeds of the gospel message. 
it is the only thing that brings life. We can do a lot of other things in our field. We can till the soil. We can water it. We can weed it. We can hope for a harvest someday. But there is one part of the whole process that we must do. We must plant the seeds of the gospel. And you know what the promise is? And we don't even understand that for some people that we share the simple gospel message with, some, I bet we could even, if we could get one out of four, we would be excited for some. I don't know what the percentages are. For some, they will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. There's two kind of truths I want to end with related to the story. And the first one is the power is in the word of the gospel. Man, I, I, we've got to grasp this. The gospel, simple gospel message has the power to bring life. It is a miracle and it is not dependent upon us. We cannot produce results. I cannot, I cannot save you. Don't come to the preacher's office and say, Preacher, I need you to save me. Now that's Jesus' job. Yeah, the brother Dwayne knows that. It's like, no, I wouldn't go to the preacher's office. No, you, you need to turn, you got to get on up the ladder from there. You got to get up onto Jesus. Uh, only Jesus saves. Only Jesus has the power. What is our responsibility? Was it the, the sower's responsibility to make the seed grow? No. The creator of the universe designed that seed genetically so that if it was in the right conditions, in the right circumstances, it was going to create growth. And you know the amazing thing? When that plant grows, do you know what it produces? More seed. You know the only place to get seed? It's from that plant that came from a seed. That's it. There's a mystery. There's a miracle in it. That it is genetically created by the Creator under the right circumstances to grow. And I'll tell you today, it is a mystery when we deal with people. We do not know the condition of their hearts. And some of their hearts are hard. And the enemy comes and snatches it. Some people, we don't, we don't know. Their hearts are rocky soil. And out of the goodness of our heart, we cast the seed there. But the reality is there's not enough depth there. Not at that time in their life or whatever. Oh, and they may show some initial enthusiasm, but they pass away. There may be some, though, quite honestly, the circumstances of life, maybe they start to grow up and the cares of the world and problems choke out whatever it is that God wanted to do in their life. But some, by the miracle of God and the power of the God, simple gospel message, God will take and produce out of their life 30, 60, and 100 fold. It is not our job. The power is in the word of the gospel. 
It is outside of our responsibility to change anybody's life. Only God can do it. And what is the simple gospel message? Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, this is the message that I was given, that I give to you, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, and on the third day he rose again and he appeared to the brethren. When Amy was talking to Madeline about the gospel a couple weeks ago, when she set her down on her bed, she talked to her, and this is, this is Amy's word. She didn't know I was going to be quoting her. Yeah. She said, we talked about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? That he was buried on the third day by the power that only God could possess. He was raised from the dead. Do you believe that? And Madeline said, it's my time now. I've been thinking about it. But I know today, tonight is my night. Because God is drawing me unto himself. The simple gospel message that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. It was the plan of God that he would make the way of salvation. And that when we, out of all of our efforts to get to God, it was never going to be enough. He would bring the Savior who would make the way. And, and it it's never activated in our life until we come to the end of ourselves and we said, I cannot save myself. I am a sinner. And I'm simply trusting in Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and for Madeline's sins, Brother Stephen's sins, and your sins. And that he was really dead because they buried him. But because he was the very Son of God and God himself, by the power of the resurrection, he was raised up so that I will know that he is unique and different from anyone else in all of history. He's not simply a prophet, a religious leader, a holy man, a godly man. No, he is God himself who came to be the sin sacrifice for us, but to demonstrate by his resurrection his power over death. And that was the message that the, the early church took. And they scattered it. And people believed. The power is in the word of the gospel. And the second and last thing I want to say is we must realize that we are the ones who possess the seed. There's nobody else. When the seed, somebody planted the seed in your heart and in my heart, and you know what happened? I produced more seed. And the question is, you're 30, you're 60, you're 100 fold. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do as, it, as an individual? What are we going to do as, with it as a church? No, we are the possessors of the seed. The only thing in this world that changes people's life and eternity. What are we going to do with it? And Jesus said, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed the seed. And yeah, there were kind of some bad results in three of the four. But the fourth one produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And so all of a sudden, now he had more seed. What is he going to do with it? He's going to cast it. And it's going to make more and more. It is only Jesus 
that brings us life. And when Jesus brings us life, it must be a life that sees the truth of the gospel that we must share. We have been entrusted with it and we have the responsibility to share it. If not, other things will grow in our field. And I think that's where we are in America today. The weeds and the rocks and the hardened pathways. We've been entrusted with it. We have the responsibility to scatter it because Jesus has brought us life. If we don't, <laughs> other things will grow up. And so my challenge to you today, would you stand with me? My challenge is simply that we would connect other people to God. Being at the right place at the right time. We have to make sure that we're doing the right thing. Scattering the seeds of the gospel. Father, today we um, pray that you would help us to take seriously the responsibility that you've given us. And that, Father, day by day, intentionally and in the course of our life, we would be faithful to scatter the seeds of the simple message that changed our life. And I pray that you'd use it, you'd make it a movement, you'd give us a passion for it, and you'd change our community, and Father, in turn, you'd change our world. So we trust that in you. We, we give you this time. Father, we pray it in Jesus' name. Yeah.